Hello, Convention of State podcast listeners. Normally, we reserve this channel for audio versions of our live broadcast, COS Live and the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. But as a bonus, we like to occasionally release some historic legacy audio for your enjoyment. In this recording from 2019, the Mississippi House debates the Convention of State's resolution. Mississippi voted to become the 15th state to adopt our Article 5 application. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, we will next go to the last item on your supplemental calendar um, today for rules. It's item number four, Senate Concurrent Resolution number 596, United States Constitutional Amendment Convention of the States under Article 5, applying for certain restraints on federal government. Mr. Speaker, I would call that resolution up and ask that you recognize The gentleman from DeSoto to handle the resolution. The gentleman DeSoto is recognized to present the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Ladies and gentlemen of the House, uh, my esteemed colleagues, what we have before us today is Senate Concurrent Resolution 596, which passed overwhelmingly in the Senate last week. It is identical to the resolution that we passed in here uh, at the end of last session. Uh, the resolution issues a call for Mississippi to join the growing number of states that are calling an Article 5 Convention of States to specifically discuss and propose amendments uh, with physical restraints on the federal government and to limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. Uh, and that is pretty much the, uh, the resolution. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I yield for questions. If there aren't any, I move for adoption. All right. Uh, Jim Hines, Mr. Dorch has a question. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Gentlemen, to you. Absolutely. So this isn't just concerning our fiscal, the fiscal nature of the federal government, is it? You, you say it, it is. To, if you look, everybody should have a copy of the resolution on their desk. If you look at lines 34 and 35, it lists the two issues for the call. So uh, when it says limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, what, what exactly does that include the federal courts? Well, no, it would have to do with what's not enumerated in the Tenth Amendment. You know, when the Constitution was set up and we adopted the Bill of Rights and the amendments, it, it said what was the power of the state and the duty of the state and what was the power and the duty of the federal government. There's a lot of areas in government that we all know that are mandates that come down from the federal government that affect how we govern ourselves here in the state on issues that are state issues that were enumerated as our powers within the Constitution. But according to this, the federal powers, that includes anything that's been passed by the federal government, including the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, those things can be affected? No, sir. Why not? Because this, this convention is for a specific call. They cannot... But it doesn't say a specific, it says limit oh, it... the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. Oh, it, the it federal asks... government used their power, did they not use their power? Okay, excuse me, Chairman from Hines. The gentleman has a right to answer your questions. So I'm going to recognize the gentleman from DeSoto to answer the question. Gentlemen, yes. can I finish my question to you? Yes, go ahead, please. My question to you is you say they limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. The federal government has used this power and jurisdiction to pass the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, to give black people the right to vote, women the right to vote. How are those not affected by this call? Those powers are enumerated in the, the amendments. This is not. They and cannot, you're opening those amendments up, are you not? No, no, we are not. Not at all. So in you're fact, saying they cannot. They cannot pass a, anything. This is for a specific call. But it's not can, specific to that. 
Yes, sir, it is. If, have you read the, the, uh, I'm reading the resolution? It. You make one specific claim in here. You cannot support term limits for members of Congress. Now, why is that needed when these other things are needed? Well, most of us know that term limits is hugely popular with the American population. In fact, three-quarters of Americans support that. Most of the legislators here in Mississippi do not support that, and so that is specifically... Why, why is that needed to be expressly placed in here when you're saying there are no protections to limit this, limit this commission or whatever it's going to be called to take on anything dealing with our federal court systems and the protections that minorities have through our federal courts? Well, gentlemen, the reason that that is, is uh, listed here is that some of the calls have that as part of the call, but they still, it raises the threshold of what they have to get to before they can even discuss it. So, gentlemen, would you support an amendment that specifically lays out that this, that our members that we send as delegates, they cannot consider anything that dilutes the power of our federal judiciary or our civil rights or our voting rights? Oh, gentlemen, that is already in here. Gentlemen, it says restrain the federal government. If you, if you go up to lines 28, The power and jurisdiction of the federal government. How does that not encompass our federal courts? It has more to do with mandates. <laughs> you can say that, gentlemen, but it says, are you saying that our federal courts aren't part of our federal government? I believe our courts are established in the Constitution. Gentlemen, there's a lot of, of fear-mongering that's going on that says that there's going to be a runaway convention and, and that things are going to get out of control. But the convention, should the, the move get at least 34 states, is very limited to the call. What there's, if there's, nowhere, there's nowhere, absolutely nowhere for them to run. Anything that is, all they have the power to do is to come together, discuss, propose an amendment, assuming they even pass an amendment out, and it goes back before all 50 state legislators to be, legislatures to be ratified. It's the same process that's been done time and time again when they passed the 13th and the 14th Amendment that abolished slavery, when they passed the right for women to vote, when they passed the amendment that got rid of the poll tax. It is the same process that Congress used. Gentlemen, those weren't amendments. Those were laws that were passed to get rid of the poll tax. Gentlemen, it is the... Uh, Civil Rights 24th Act. Amendment got rid of the poll tax. So, gentlemen, would you support an amendment to put that specifically in there the same way we do it with limiting term limits? If we can spe specify that we don't want term limits, why can't we specify on this? Well, our language has to line up with every other state in order for it to aggregate. So any addition, any amendment to this particular resolution in all sense kills Mr. the Mr. Speaker, resolution. I have an amendment at the proper time. Okay. Jim from Washington, Mr. Hines. Motion, Mr. Speaker. Sir? Motion, Mr. Speaker. Okay, state your motion. Move the table. Those opposed have five minutes. Any opposed to the motion to table? All right. I don't see any. Motion is to table. If you favor the motion, indicate by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Noes have it, the noes have it. Roll call is demanded. Open the machine, Madam Clerk. You favor the motion to table, vote aye. You're opposed, vote nay. Has everyone voted? Has everyone voted? Close the machine, Madam Clerk. I voted 42 yeas, 69 yeas. Motion fails. All right, gentlemen, Tallahatchie, you have questions? Gentlemen from DeSoto. Now, uh, as you, uh, the purpose of this uh, 
you've got, I see that what you call, you call a convention under Section 5, is that, and then you say under Section 1, limited the purpose stated on those applications, provided, however, that commissioners of Mississippi are expressly limited to consideration and support of amendments that impose fiscal constraints on the federal government and amendments that limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. Would you agree that that is the language that you have put forward in this amendment? Yes, sir. And just after that, it says, and no amendment on any other topic whatsoever. Well, when you limit the power of the federal government, which uh, the Constitution's framers gave the federal government certain enumerated powers, and to carry out those. You would agree with that, wouldn't you? Yes, sir. But when you limit the powers of the federal government, are you aware that in the early part of the, uh, the century before us, people were arguing that the federal government and state governments, for that matter, could not impose child labor laws that uh, limited uh, children to only 60 hours a week or limited their work at all because it violated the liberty of the children. Are you aware of that? I'm somewhat familiar with that. Do you think that would be a right thing if this convention came up with something that limited the power of the government of the United States of America to do such a thing to control child labor all over the United States of America? Gentlemen, I respectfully think that you're trying to cloud the issue. Uh, what, what is before us is a specific call. As if you turn to yeah. uh, line 71, it says, a convention for proposing amendments convened pursuant to this application shall be limited to consideration of the topics specified herein and no other. This application is made with the express understanding that an amendment that in any way seeks to amend, modify, or repeal any provision of the Bill of Rights shall not be authored for consideration at any stage. This application shall be void if ever used at any stage to consider any change to any provision of the Bill of Rights. This is being for a specific call. Uh, if yes, if we, we at any time, the state of Mississippi can join the call, but we at any time can also withdraw. And even during the process, when we select delegates, who, when the legislature chooses, we get to choose the delegates. If they don't adhere to our wishes, we can withdraw them. So we retain complete control. And then everything that is discussed comes back to the state legislatures. If, if we are afraid that something like that is going to happen or that we are going to strip other amendments out and write constitutional rights, then we absolutely are saying that we have zero faith in ourselves, zero faith in the state legislatures across this great nation, and, and zero faith in the process itself. Gentlemen, are you aware that the founders of our country had faith in people but not unbounded faith, that they believed that we needed a representative democracy, but we, need, we were a republic so that unlimited power was not welded in anybody and so that the amendment process was very difficult because they did not want a government that the popular whim 
could overthrow immediately like has happened when fascists take over a communist takeover. Absolutely, gentlemen. And that's why they put Article 5 in the Constitution. And this very thing is going to be an overwhelmingly difficult thing to accomplish. It is not. If it was going to be so easy, this movement would have already gotten their 34 well, states. This would already have been yeah. something that was being taken care of. But it isn't. It is a very, very protected process along the way. It's what we're doing right now. We are, are you, the government. Gentlemen, are you aware that this country... Uh, previously had a constitutional a convention that was called for the limited for limited purposes. Are you aware that we had one already? Yeah, in 1787. That's correct. And gentlemen, do you recall that in that convention or that assembly, the Congress directed the convention to proceed by unanimous vote, and they directed uh, the convention to revise the articles, and are you aware, gentlemen, that as soon as they got there, they changed that and did what they wanted to do, which is totally did away with the con Articles of Confederation and proposed something that could be ratified by nine states, not unanimously, and that further, they, uh, in addition to that, uh, they... Uh, Instead of making revisions, they did an entirely new organic document. Are you aware of that? I sure am. Gentlemen, if you will remember, the Articles of Confederation were the loose confederation that mm -hmm. bound our brand new fledgling nation together, those 13 states. And they had a whole lot of issues. There was all types of interstate commerce issues. There were fights right. over waterways. Rhode Island was overtaxing. And so the states called the convention, and they gave their delegates enumerated powers to fix the problem. And they established the government as we know it. Can you imagine what it would be like if for us to pass any bill in this House, we had to have unanimous voting consent? Would well, we get anything passed? Gentlemen, I believe that that was the instructions they were given. I say that to say this. Gentlemen, are you aware that you can propose, but if this thing gets going... You can't dispose. The state legislatures, you're not going to be there. 174 Mississippians aren't going to be there, but you're going to have convention delegates that are there doing what they feel like to the basic documents of American law that give us our liberty, give us our Second Amendment, our First Amendment, our Fourteenth Amendment. All the privileges and rights that we have of Americans could be jeopardized. Are you aware of that? Sir, I, I completely and, I, and respectfully disagree. The people that go, that we choose to go and represent our state at any, any convention that may occur, have zero power. They have nowhere to run. So to talk about this runaway uh, convention is it's illogical because anything that is proposed, assuming it even gets voted out as a proposed amendment, comes back before every single state in the union to vote on. So the only way for it to run away is for us to cease to exist. They are not giving the power to go in and rewrite the Constitution, to strip the Bill of Rights, to, to, to take and just destroy the very fabric of the Constitution. It's the same process that's happened when Congress proposes an amendment and it goes back before the states to be ratified by a supermajority. It takes more to ratify an amendment than it does to call a convention. So. 
um, I, I think that you are worrying and, and splitting hairs over something that isn't going well, to happen and, and won't happen. Well, gentlemen, I think the reason this was in there, and you check it out, was that they feared that the, that the amendment process wouldn't work. But are you aware that there have been 27 amendments adopted to the United States Constitution, which is a significant number of amendments? Wouldn't you say that if there is a problem, these people could use, the, those that seek to change the Constitution could use the time-honored method of the amendment process that had been successfully used 27 times before, rather than putting the fundamental rights of all Americans at, at risk. Would you agree with that? Well, gentlemen, I liken it to what the, the gentlelady said earlier about the fox guarding the hen house. This is not a Democrat or Republican problem. If you think about it, we just surpassed $22 trillion in debt, in general debt, in this country. It's greater than our GDP. We have $122 trillion in unfunded liabilities. Within four years, in 2023, we will have $157 trillion in unfunded liabilities. We, we hit the half trillion mark on servicing our debt last year. And as interest rates continue to rise, that amount is going to keep going. Congress has been incapable and unwilling to do anything to restrain themselves. We've seen it under every presidential regime where they are holding government workers hostage. They, they are having to constantly go back and raise the debt ceiling. And you know, the good book says that where the, where the leaders lack vision, the people perish. I tell you, if we do not take a look down the road and see the mathematical certainty of what is to come if we stay on the current trajectory, our people will suffer. It won't just be our people, it'll be all of us. It will be our nation. It will be our states. And so um, I, I think, yes, the process of letting Congress go in and regulate themselves, well, they've already proven to us time and time and time again, doesn't matter what uh, partisan uh, group that they associate with, that they aren't going to do it. They will keep kicking the can down the road until there is no money, until all the wealth of this country and our children and our children's children will suffer the consequence because we as leaders lacked the vision. We have the opportunity now to do something to fix the problem, and that is what this is attempting to do. And our founding fathers saw a day when that would be a problem when Congress may not be willing to do what they are supposed to. So they gave the states the ability to step in. Jim from Lee, Mr. Holland. Final passage, I want to speak. Okay. Jim from Lawrence, Mr. Evans. Thank you, Speaker. Gentlemen, you? Absolutely. Gentlemen, I... Uh, I see your zeal, and I understand some of the reasons that you put up, but I want to talk about the specific language of the resolution, okay? Okay. The two things in this resolution that you say restrict what can be done, okay? The first one is on, let's start at line 33, or 32 actually. The convention are expressly limited to consideration and support of amendments that impose fiscal restraints on the federal government. That's one of the two, right? Yes, sir. 
I think you and I would both agree what fiscal constraints are. They deal with the, uh, the debt and all this kind of stuff, certainly. Okay. In line 34 there, you have the conjunction and, don't you? Yes, sir. It says, and amendments that limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. That is the second thing that this resolution will empower this convention to do, right? To have discussions, yes. Only those two things. Therefore, it's limited to two things. Yes, sir. One of them that you and I can pretty much agree is fairly limited in and of itself because of its language, the fiscal constraints. Yes, sir. The second one, I want you to tell me how you say that the phrase that limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government is in any way, any way limited. That is about as broad a statement as you could possibly come up with. Let me ask you this. Would that apply to tax power of the federal government? Limiting the authority of the federal government. I believe it would be left up to the delegates that we choose to discuss. I know that the federal government has all types of mandates, whether it be with education. Uh, for us to get funds, they pretty much tell us how to do everything, even, even things that, that really were supposed to be powers enumerated to the states. Okay, I understand what you're saying, but my question is, tell me how the phrase amendments that limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government in any way has limitation. That phrase is your specific phrase. Show me a limitation in there. I, I, I know you can't, but you're asking me to vote for something that gives the convention unlimited authority to do what it thinks is appropriate to limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. Again, show me how that is limited anywhere in this resolution. So you're speaking of the, the plural sense of the word amendments. Is that what you're referring to? No. I'm saying there are two things. Here. Look, I'll just read it to you. That the commissioners from Mississippi to the convention are expressly limited to consideration and support of amendments that impose fiscal restraints on the federal government and amendments that limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. That is not the conjunction and to say constraints on the federal government to, to do economics. Those are two separate identifiable phrases. One means limit fiscal constraints the other means and says specifically any other power that the federal government has. Show me the limitation. That is as broad as you can possibly get. There is no limitation whatsoever. Show me the limitation, please. The limitation falls within the fact that anything that is discussed or proposed would have to first be voted on at the convention. Every state, one state, one vote. And it would come back before all 50 states. I understand that. That's just exactly the way the system works now. Yes. Congress proposes, two-thirds of Congress proposes amendments. Three-fourths of the states has to ratify the amendment for it to come into play. But there's no limitation of what Congress can propose, is there? There must not be, or you wouldn't be here trying to limit what you say Congress is, has been doing that they shouldn't be doing. 
You get my drift. I, I, I think I follow you. Uh, grudgingly, I would presume. Do you see what I'm saying? I respect you. I know where you're coming from. Believe me, $22, million, $22 trillion debt bothers me. It bothers me. It seems like now more... It seems like it bothers a lot of people less now that the uh, there's a Republican president than it did when there was a Democratic president. But nevertheless, I understand where you're coming from. But to discuss this all-important resolution that in fact could end up, as the gentleman from Tallahatchie reminded you earlier, could end up in completely doing away with our U.S. Constitution as it is constituted right now. Do you see where I'm going? You say there's limitation, but there is no limitation whatsoever in that phrase, and those are your two foundational phrases. So help me, show me the limitation. Well, gentlemen, the limitation is in whatever comes back will come back before us. That, that whatever is discussed, whatever the, 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 the delegates can agree on and vote, and you know how hard it is to get everybody on board with something and to have, have a, a majority vote to even send something back to all the states. The check is us. We are. The, the United States is made up of a, a republic of states. We will have a say in what anything that comes back to us. So uh, that is the check. They may discuss a couple different terms that have to do with limiting it. That's what you're getting at. I don't know. That would be up to the delegates. And as we instruct our delegates to follow. It will, it will certainly be up to the delegates. Everything will be up to the delegates. If the delegates themselves decide, well, we're not going to hold ourselves to the resolutions that got this convention called by Congress and end up doing what happened with the Articles of Confederation, we are going to be up the proverbial creek without a paddle arm. No, sir, because they're not going to be able to do that. We can withdraw them at any time. If they Famous last the words of the Articles of Confederation, right? They're not going to be able to do this. We're only going in there to, to do something about the tax power, the weak central government, or something like that. Gentlemen, do you not see that this is the most dangerous document that could possibly come before this August body, as far as possible and likely probable ramifications. Gentlemen, I respectfully disagree. You either believe in the legislative process or you do not. You either have faith in the body and the American people or you do not. We have a system in place that whatever would come back, we could kill if we, we can withdraw our application at any time. There are checks all along the way that protect us from some type of rogue uh, convention, uh, runaway convention, whatever you want to term it, uh, the, the, the words being used to just scare people into the process. The process is no different for Congress. They could propose anything they wanted to pass an amendment and send it to us. You said and we you had, it, it would be okay. before the body and we could either vote for it or not vote for it. All this does is give the states the same ability that Congress does. That's all it does. That's all you think it does. Decide, to propose, it has to come back. The process is still the same, gentlemen. It has to unless it doesn't. How, how would it not? They, they have no power in and of themselves. The delegates have no power in and of themselves to do anything 
but discuss and as, propose an amendment. As the gentleman from Tallahatchie uh, told you earlier, neither, neither did the delegates to the Articles of Confederation Convention, but, but they generated it themselves, and we ended up with the Constitution that we have now in all... Uh, uh, with all due res dis uh, with all due respect, gentlemen, has been a pretty good item that for us to live by for the last two hundred and thirty years. It, but again, it, you you and this resolution certainly always refer to the Tenth Amendment. I know the Tenth Amendment comes in second behind the Second Amendment as far as importance, but nevertheless, the Tenth Amendment uh, supposedly reserves to the states. Or the people, the unenumerated powers, right? The unenumerated powers. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. You would agree with me that the U.S. Constitution gives enumerated powers to the federal government, right? Well, well absolutely. It's what established our federal government. If you, uh -huh. think about, if you think about the Constitutional Convention in 1787, there really was no federal government in place until they got done establishing it. And along the way, we have passed multiple amendments. You could look at them like a software fix that didn't do away with the Constitution. It just took care of times and problems that had to do with the times, whether it was abolishing slavery, whether it was giving women the right to vote, things that should have been done back then, but they didn't, they didn't address it. Well, actually, they really did do it back then, didn't they? Uh, have, uh, have you ever had occasion to read the Necessary and Proper Clause, also called the Elastic Clause in the U.S. Constitution? I don't believe so, no, You're sir. not familiar with that? The Elastic Clause? Uh, that's in the part of the U.S. Constitution that enumerates the federal government's powers, the enumerated powers, plus all other powers that are necessary and proper to carry out the enumerated powers. You haven't heard about that one? Well, yes, sir. That's a pretty important one. I would suggest that you might go read about it. But nevertheless, gentlemen, I'm really hung up on this. Amendments that limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. I still want you to tell me how their considerations are limited in any respect by that phrase. They are not, are they? They're limited by the power that we have to either vote or not vote for anything that's proposed. Presuming it gets back to us. They're limited by, you said you had to have faith in the system. The system we have right now requires two-thirds of Congress to propose an amendment, three-fourths of the states to ratify it, right? That is correct. Okay. Why can't, you why can't you accomplish whatever of these things you want to accomplish by the present procedures? You say you, we have to have confidence in our procedures. Why can't you have the confidence in the one that we already have that we don't have to do anything with that might might end up with a new, uh, causing us to have a new form of government in this country. Well, gentlemen, I do have faith in the procedures set forth in the Constitution, and an Article 5 convention is one of those procedures. Two-thirds of Congress, as it sits and has now been elected to sit, also has that same authority, right? That's correct, and all of us have been elected as well. Okay. But again, I'm going to ask you, and I'll ask you one more time, and I know you, if you were a lawyer, you'd say, I object, Your Honor, asked and answered. Well, I would agree that it's been asked. I don't agree that it's been answered. But nevertheless, this 
amendments that limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government in fact has no limitation for whatever's considered whatsoever does it that has no limitation whatsoever that phrase well, gentlemen I, I i respectfully disagree i believe that we are the limitation we as an august body okay. we as legislators well, we certainly, I guess, agree to disagree on that, uh, and I appreciate your candor. Thank you, sir. Gentlemen from Adams, Mr. Johnson, for a question. Thank you. Will the, gentle, will the gentleman yield? Yes, sir. Gentlemen, I, I was just going back to, uh, I'm not going to rehash what the gentleman from Lawrence has already from, has asked, but you said something in your ex explanation about the federal government, that the leadership has lost, lost its vision or, or lacks vision, something to that effect? No, I was saying that the good book says that when leaders lack vision, the people perish. Okay. Well, is that suggesting that our leaders have lack, they lack vision? Well, gentlemen, if, if you ran your financial house the way that our federal government does... I, I'm just asking a question. This is a yes or no. You, you would have to admit somebody's no, lacking no, vision. No, okay. Well, you answered my question, yes. And did you also say that uh, the federal government... In, in, in some instances, or maybe you said most instances, are telling us everything to do, that they have too much power, they're dictating too much to the states. Did you say that? Well, gentlemen, that would be up to the convention. No, I'm saying, it, do you, do, it, is it your assessment that that's where we find ourselves now, that the federal government mandates and dictates too much to us, to the states? Well, I'm not going to place the assessment of too much, but I do know that we discuss all the time within this body mandates that come down that conflict with the will of the states. I mean, it would, that, it's a discussion. Yeah, and so you, what you're saying is that the states from time to time have one will, one idea about what they're going to do, and the federal government turns around and tells us, no, that's not how we're going to do it. Well, we usually wind up doing what the federal government tells us, I believe. But sometimes, in your opinion, they're wrong. Well, I think that most Americans don't agree with 100% of anything well, that we do or the federal government well, or you, even your local government. I understand. From time to time, we have resolutions that are sent here by counties and cities in this state, and they're formed in local and private. How many local and private that are fashioned by local governments that know best was best for them, how many of those have you voted against? Oh, better yet, you may be able to count better. How many have you voted for? Oh, I voted for most of them. Local and private? Yeah, please go back and check my record. I probably voted against two or three. Well, everybody else's memory is here is the same as mine. I, my recollection is that you voted against uh, quite a few of them because it's, it's your opinion. You know better than the local government what they need. And so my, my question is, how are you any different than the federal government if you can tell Adams County that their local and private shouldn't be passed and you live in DeSoto County? Tell me how that's some different. Well, well, gentlemen, first of all, we are discussing a convention of states, not my voting record. No, we're, we're discussing but, a but, philosophy. We're but, discussing an yes, attitude. Well, and you're suggesting here, here you are a man that can tell my local government what they can do, but you don't want the federal right. government to tell the state of Mississippi what they gentlemen, can do. Gentlemen, if you'll look at my voting record, you'll see that. I know your voting record. Thank you. All right. Thank you. A uh, gentleman from Hancock, Mr. Barry, for a question. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Gentlemen, will you yield? Absolutely. I just want to get some clarification. Uh, and I want to sort of pick up where the gentleman from uh, Monticello, <laughs> Lawrence County, thank you. Um, I just want to make sure. I think somebody's getting the gentleman some water. I just want to give him a second there. I'm sorry. Uh, no, <laughs> I understand you've been up there a while. Now, on the issue of what 
uh, is limiting in terms of what the delegates could discuss. You had yes, a long sir. discussion with a gentleman from Lawrence County about that, right? Yes, sir. And I understood you to say the limitation is us. If they do something in this convention that we don't like, we as a legislative body can say no thank you, or we can withdraw our delegates. That's the limitation, right? Well, and the limitation that anything that they might propose has to come back before us. Well, I think, I think we're saying the same thing. But isn't it a fact that all the other states in the country could agree with this one issue that we disagree with? And our withdrawal and our saying, no, thank you, we don't want to be part of that, doesn't really matter, does it? It's no limitation at all. I, I think that if you take a, a realistic assessment of our nation as a whole and the states that it comprises, and you look at blue states and red states and conservative states and liberal states, there are more than 12 states out there that could kill any piece of legislation or proposed amendment that comes out if it is against now, the Now, what you just shared with us is a, it's called an opinion, isn't it? Isn't that a fact? That was well, your opinion? That, that is a, uh, yeah. That, that and isn't opinion. it true, yes or no, that 49 states could disagree with Mississippi? And just because we said we don't like that, we're going to withdraw our delegates, wouldn't matter a bit, would it? Because they could do it and jam it down our throats, whatever it is. Well, gentlemen, that's, that's the case with any piece of legislation that comes from D.C. or here or... Right. So why go through this process? Why not go through this process? <laughs> if, if, we can't get, if we can't get our objective accomplished through Congress, if they're not going to limit their own spending, if they're going to run us down a track that goes off of a cliff, isn't it our obligation, our duty to represent the people that elected us, to look out for their best interest, to look you, out for the interest of our, our great nation? Would you agree that one of the enumerated powers of the federal government in our U.S. Constitution is to set the boundaries of states? Yes. And so this convention could go about their business and decide that Mississippi is not going to be a state anymore. It's going to be part of Alabama. That's a possibility, isn't it? We can come up with what-ifs all day. True or false? True or false? Is that a possibility? Not a possibility. It's Why not isn't that a possibility? It's not within the call, gentlemen. Yes, it is. The power, the power jurisdiction to of the rezone Mississippi into Alabama? Absolutely. It, that it, is a power. You just agreed that's a power of the federal government. And your language is limit the power of the federal government. Gentlemen, we can respectfully disagree. Well, I understand that. you don't think it will happen. That's your opinion. But that is a possibility, is it not? And that's I, what concerns some of us, gentlemen. I understand, I understand your fear. I don't think that that would be a possibility. Let me ask you this. Have you read the – this is an application, as I understand it. You call it an application. It's an application to join the other states. Okay. And the other states, Georgia, Florida, Alaska, Alabama, Tennessee, Indiana, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Texas, Missouri, North Dakota, Arizona, Arkansas, they all have separate applications. True? That is correct. Have you read all of their applications? They look like this. A a identical? They're identical. Have you read each one of them yourself? I've not read every single one, but here's, okay. the, here's the fact. They will not aggregate if they aren't identical. Well, they, you are having us join their applications through passing this particular resolution, right? That is correct. So whatever those applications from those states that I just read off say, we're joining. It won't join if, it doesn't, if it's not the same wording. It won't aggregate. Tr true or false, gentlemen? Are we saying we're joining their applications? We are all joining the application, yes. And are we also saying through this application that we're going to join any subsequent applications? That must have the same wording. That you haven't even read yet, It right? will have the same wording or it will not aggregate. 
I think, gentlemen, you have to appreciate the fact that some of us have concerns that you're opening up a process, a Pandora's box, if you will, and anything can happen. And it seems to us to be a dangerous way to go about this. Can you agree at least that, that some of our concerns are, are not crazy? No, gentlemen, I, under, I understand the fears that are out there. I understand the, the arguments on the other side, but I, I feel that... Um, I feel that most of it is just fear-mongering. I understand the you fear You think I'm fear-mongering? No. I, I believe okay. the worrying that we're going to get absorbed by Alabama-type scenarios or that somehow some subsequent uh, state that's going to take and change their application and it's going to look different than our application, it, 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 it's, it's a moot point because they all have to read the same in order for them to aggregate. Otherwise... It goes nowhere. Well, gentlemen, let me ask you this. I ask you about a specifically enumerated power of the federal government to change the boundaries of states, and you don't like that example. What about the powers to create courts inferior to the Supreme Court? That's Sup a power of the federal government, right? Inferior or superior? What did you say? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. I'm, I'm just reading from the enumerated powers to okay. establish courts inferior to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court being at the top, anything under it being an inferior court. Okay. Yes, All right? Sir. So that's a power of our federal government, right? Yes, sir. All right. And so if these delegates get to wherever they're going and they decide they want to abolish our federal court system, they could do that, right? It's not in the call, sir. It absolutely is in the call. It absolutely is in the call. At, lines 30, at line 35, an amendments, not just one amendment, but amendments, that's plural, isn't it? Y yes? The two amendments, Plu yes. No, sir. You use the word amendments with respect to both phrases. The second one says amendments, that's plural, okay. that limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. So they could propose not one, but multiple amendments that limit the power of the federal government, correct? I would imagine so. All right. And one of those powers is the power to establish courts, right? I don't know if it would have to do with anything that has to do with the three branches of government. This is a specific call. We're not going to rework our entire court system. And if it, even if they did, but they could. Gentlemen. But let's say let's say that they did propose something and actually get an amendment out, and it, it would come back before the states, and we'd shoot it down. Do, do you think it's outside the, the bounds of reason that states like Mississippi might be upset with the federal court system? We were just on the last resolution talking about something that our federal courts have did that have upset some people in this building. You think it's outside of the bounds of reason that we could say we want to do away with the federal court system? Well, if we said that, we could withdraw our people if we weren't in agreement with them. But the other 49 states could go right on ahead and abolish the federal court system. True? I don't know, gentlemen. I uh, don't think that that is a I got you, gentlemen. I don't think this is very well thought out. Thank you for your time, though. All right. Thank you for your question. Gentleman from Leak, Mr. Walker. Question. Yes, sir. Uh, looking at line eight, if the problem is improper and imprudent spending, couldn't we just elect people who are proper and prudent with spending? Problem solved? Gentlemen, I wish we could, but obviously we aren't. Gentleman from Jefferson, Mr. Harness, for question. Would the gentleman yield? Yes, sir. Uh, Look at these states that have made applications. That's Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, Louisiana, Texas, Missouri, Arkansas. Those states sound very familiar. 
Don't they sound kind of familiar to you? Well, gentlemen, you left out North Dakota, Arizona, Alaska, Indiana. I'm asking you about the states I asked you about. Could you ask? They're me our question? sister states, yes, sir. Okay, and so now about 140 years ago, some states got upset about the federal government. Is that right? What was the issue? What was the issue? The issue was over slavery. Okay, and then about 50, 60 years ago, southern states got upset over federal. Federal jurisdiction, is that right? And what was the issue? Again, this is 60 years ago. We were talking about state sovereignty, right. sovereignty commissions all over the place. What was the issue? Oh, you tell me, gentlemen. Civil rights. Oh, yes, sir. You forgot? No, I wasn't alive 60 years ago. I'm okay. Sorry. Now, 67 years later, we're back again doing the same thing. 67 years later, states' rights again. Right? Now, why do we want to press the rewind button on this? Why are we going there? Gentlemen, think about, think about the process that was followed that actually guaranteed civil rights. Think about the process that was followed. And what's wrong with slavery. that? It was an amendment process. By who? Back, by, by who? Congress. By Congress, not by the states. Certainly not a bunch of southern states. I know that. I know the southern states didn't agree to it, did they? Well, well, gentlemen, guess what? If there's a convention, it won't just be southern states in attendance. It'll be all 50 states. Okay. Geographically, these states are mainly in the south. Well, half of them are. What are we doing this for? Well, there's, there's, there's 14 states as of present that have signed on. Mississippi would be number 15. Half of them, yes, would be in the south. Half of them would be outside the south. But, but they have to get 34 states before they can even call a convention. It's not going to be a southern thing. But you should tell it like it is. You should like tell what, what your main goal is. What is the main goal, sir? I thought we did and express it here I in think, the resolution. I think you hid it in lines 34 and 35 underneath all this other stuff. But I just want to see what your general purpose is for the bill. That's what I want to know. I mean, other than rehashing, bringing back slavery and civil rights, uh, segregation. I hope that's not a part of your plan, is it? Certainly not, sir. I, Are you sure? I'm absolutely sure. That may be your opinion, but I, I, I completely disagree. Well, opinions, uh, that I'm factually correct. Am I right or wrong? I'm factually correct about the history. About history. About history? Yes. You did bring some points up about history, but your, your, your fear about what? Bringing slavery? Hasn't it happened before? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. General Hines, Mr. Crudup, for a question. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Will the gentleman yield? Absolutely, sir. Um, I have a question about line 36 and 37. Yes, sir. Uh, you mentioned earlier you saying that all these um, are the same. These same states have the same exact language, and that's right. Yes, sir. Um, where it says on 36 and 37, 38, Mississippi delegates are hereby instructed not to support term limits for members of Congress. Is it the same language in every state that's already passed this? Yes, sir. You raise a good point. The, uh, some of the states have three calls. It's the exact same language, with the exception they also have the discussion of term limits. Some of the states have the same language that we have, and it just says that we will not participate in discussions that have to do with term limits. What it does is it raises the threshold for the convention to even happen to even discuss that topic. So it, more than likely it's never even going to happen. 
So you're saying Mississippi is the only one that has this language in it? No, it's not. I believe there's another state that has that same language. What other, what other states have this language? I don't know right off the bat. I, I think it is, um, I can get that for you. Okay. Gentleman from uh, Hines, Mr. Bell, for a question. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The gentleman, you yield? Certainly. Uh, can you tell me who is the founder of this convention of states? Well, I believe there are a lot of folks. Mark Meckler is one of the uh, original folks that organized okay, Are you familiar with the Michael Ferris? Michael Ferris? Correct. Not really. Okay. And you support this legislation and you're not familiar with Michael Ferris? Yes or no? Whoever Michael Ferris is has nothing okay. to do with whether or not I believe this is a good well, let me Let me help you out on that for a second, gentlemen. All the other members have just talked about how opening up this, this Pandora's box for this quote-unquote U.S. Constitution Amendment, Amendment of Convention of States. Uh, gentlemen, Michael Ferris stated that he wants to increase the number of Supreme Court justices to 50. Are you in agreement with that? No, sir. Are you in agreement with, with having our, our, our powers as a state being taken away? No, sir. Do you propose for the state of Mississippi to go to this quote-unquote convention and adopt whatever comes out of it? No, it'll come back before us and we'll all as a body get to determine whether but we you don't agree know, with do it you, or don't Do you know what Mississippi is asking in this convention? What's, what is I'm asking you, this is your, this your, you, you, you're handling this bill. Yes, sir. Do you know what we're asking for? What we're asking for? Yeah, what are we asking for? Yeah, we are asking for fiscal restraints on the federal government and limited power and jurisdiction of the federal government. Okay. So my colleague mentioned earlier that the key to handling this problem with the federal government is to elect individuals that represent our needs. Am I correct? Our values. And that, that, is, one way that? To, that is one way to accomplish the goal. Yes, so do you think there's a need for this if you voted for the individual that represented your best interest? I'm sorry? Do you think there is a need for this if you have the ability to elect people who share your values? Well, gentlemen, I think, as we all know, most politicians will tell you all kind of stuff until they get in office. And, and I agree with you on that, gentlemen. And, and uh, are you familiar with Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14? Uh, I'm, I'm sure I am. If you want to read it to me, that would no, be great. No, I want you to tell me. Well, you well, know, me I, you uh, be I had false, a photographic memory, problems. but I ran out of film. <laughs> Mr. Okay. Speaker. Gentlemen, if you want to I read like, me Mr. the Speaker, verse, that would like be great. Right, excuse me, excuse me. Gentlemen from Hines, your Mr. question, I like, sir. Mr. Speaker, I'd like to speak on this bill. Yes, sir. I'll on this resolution. You Thank you. I'll put you down for that. All right, gentleman from Forrest, Mr. Watson, for a question. He waves. Gentleman from Hines, excuse me, Washington, Mr. Hines, for a question. I apologize, gentlemen. I think that's the first time I've made that error this session. Uh, but I do apologize. Gentleman from Washington, recognize. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Gentlemen, you yield. Yes, sir. Uh, I see on lines 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, and 28 uh, the number of states who have already joined. You see those states? Yes, sir. Uh, how many of those states uh, have the Affordable Health Care Act? Do you know? Uh, gentlemen, I don't know that. Um, were you aware that, gentlemen, all of 
those uh, states that you call our sister states had the Affordable Health Care Act? Were you aware of that? Oh, gentlemen, I, I wasn't aware we were discussing the Affordable Care Act right well, now. Well, gentlemen, I'm talking about like-minded states, like-minded people. If you let me get to my say, okay. so would you agree our sister states have the Affordable Health Care Act? Uh, some of them do, yes, sir. Okay. So does the state of Mississippi have the Affordable Health Care Act? Does the state of Mississippi have the Affordable Health Care Act? Yes or no? You tell me. So you don't know? Well, I do, but you're, getting, but you're going somewhere with your questions. So. So, so you don't know if the state of Mississippi has the Affordable Health Care Act? Well, I know we didn't expand Medicaid. Okay, the same thing, gentlemen. All right, so how can we consider being a part of this and we're not like-minded? We're not like the same states around us. We're not like them. They saw the need for their people to have proper health care, and we don't. So how would we be like-minded of joining a, a convention of states like this, and we don't think the same way? Gentlemen, I, I think of you as my brother legislator, and we're not that like-minded on a lot of issues. Just because you may be in proximity, or you may have friendships, or you may have similar geographical makeups, uh, population makeups, so does it make I, you identical in everything that you uh, but we are like stand for? Are, are we not both here, gentlemen? Would you not agree we're both here to represent our people? Yeah, we both. Are we, we both not, strive uh, to do gentlemen, that, gentlemen? Would you not agree that we're both here trying to find the best common goal for our people we represent? Absolutely. I hope so, everyone gentlemen, in this how, chamber how, is doing how that. How can you? How can you say we're not like-minded? No, we I said have, we, we, we are like-minded on some issues, and some okay. issues we disagree. So, so, gentlemen, let's go back to this. Tell me, tell me what the state of Alabama, what is their real concern and purpose of joining this? The same as ours. So tell me what ours is. Since Alabama and Mississippi should be like-minded and we don't have the same kind of affordable health care, we don't have the same kind of concerns or infrastructure plan or gas tax, we don't have those same things that they do to improve the quality of life for their citizens. So how are we like-minded? So why would we join these people they don't think like we think? Gentlemen, there's not a member in this house that runs their household personally the same way as the other, and yet we still find commonalities and we still vote the same on bills. It, it's Gentlemen, how can it's, you speak it's to how people issue. How, how can you speak how people run on their house when you visit their house? You don't know how you don't know how members in this body run their household, nor do you know how much money they have in their bank account. You shouldn't be making those accusations you don't know. No, gentlemen. I have some very, very dear friends in here, and I know how they run their household. I don't know how much money they got in the bank, but I know the things that they do and don't do in their own household. So do you know what people in Alabama are doing in their household? How about no, Arkansas? I don't, I don't know the people in Alabama. Can you tell me about Louisiana? I imagine they run it the how way they How about Tennessee? See. Can you tell me? I don't see how that what is about North, to what, what we're about, discussing. What about North Dakota? How about Oklahoma, the sooner country? How is that germane to what we're discussing Because right now? this Constitution speaks of people joining together on common ground, common cause, and being like-minded. For so a specific you, purpose. Well, hold on. Yeah, for a specific purpose. Is not providing quality health care a specific purpose of a uh, state or an individual? Is that not a specific purpose? S yes or no? Some states... Okay. would agree on providing quality health care, and they okay. expanded Medicare. So, Some states would not. Let, let's let's make it a little simple What we're for talking you. about right now, gentlemen, is that on two issues that we can agree on. We're not going to agree on everything so, as a state, but we you, do would agree. You not, we would do you not agree, agree with me that having proper infrastructure and bridges and roads, roads for our community, would that not be a common goal of all people who serve in, in state government? 
I think it is a common goal of okay. all people in state so government. It's why, a core function so of why we're here. Arkansas, Louisiana, and Arkansas have had major infrastructure improvements. Mississippi has not. Is that the same kind of like-mindedness? Shouldn't we be like our sister states, since you say you want to join this convention? Like I said, shouldn't we be on the same page? Well, gentlemen, you may agree with some of the things that Arkansas and Alabama do and some things you may not agree. You were like-minded on the lottery issue. Arkansas has one of those. You may not have been like-minded on some other issue that Arkansas does. The, the point is, is that we're not talking about, we're not, we're not identical to every state. Every state has its own set of issues, its own set of financial abilities. What we're talking about is two things that we can agree on. Two things that we are going to join for. We're not talking about roads and bridges. Well, well, We're not talking about the Affordable Care Act. Okay. We're talking about so a balanced you just budget said some, gentlemen. Would you not agree? You just said something that was real interesting. A couple of things that we can agree on. So I just presented about four things that we have not agreed on: proper health care for our citizens, improving roads and bridges, having a like-minded around infrastructure and IT and all that stuff, wireless communications. All those things. I just asked you about those various things that those states have improved on, which means they are like-minded and we have not, which means we are three or four steps behind. Why would we want to be with somebody that we can't compete with? Why are we not thinking on the same page? Well, huh? gentlemen, I would say there are probably a dozen issues that we do agree on from state to state. Gentleman from Hancock, Mr. Barry, did you have a matter, sir? Uh, yes, Mr. Speaker. I it's, uh, I think I need to start with a question first, though, and ask the gentleman at the podium. Well, before I can recognize you for that, I need to see if any other people, because you have asked questions. Are there any other members? I do not see any, gentlemen, so you are recognized for another question. So, uh, gentlemen, will you, will you yield for a question? Certainly. Is there a fiscal note attached to this resolution? Uh, no, sir. Gentlemen, I request a fiscal note on this resolution, as we will be sending delegates to this convention, we will be spending taxpayer dollars to send those folks. And I think we need to know what that's going to cost. Well, gentlemen, the state. it says nowhere in the resolution that the state picks up the dime to send the send the delegates. It says we send delegates, and therefore I've I been sent on behalf of the state multiple times and had to pay my own way. Yeah, Mr. Speaker, uh, I think the process, as I read the rule under the joint rules, is that I should request of the gentleman a fiscal note if there's not one attached. I'm making that request. I just want to make sure the chair is aware of that. He, uh, I guess, as I understand the rules, and I can check as I understand the rules, whoever's the presenter determines if a physical note is necessary or not. I think Apparently under this chairman has decided that it's not necessary. Yes, and sir. That if that is his determination and the House disagrees and the House votes, on whether they want a physical note or not is my think, understanding of the I rule. I think you're correct under Joint Rule 20, Mr. Speaker. Yes. So you're asking for a fiscal note or are you asking for a vote to be taken? I'm asking for a fiscal note. The gentleman said that none is required. Therefore, I think automatically under Joint Rule 20, we put that to a vote, okay. I, unless I'm misreading the rule. We can do that. That's not a problem. The request is, <clears throat> excuse me. The request is uh, for a fiscal note. So if you favor that request, indicate by saying aye. Opposed, no. No! Noes have it. Noes have it. Roll call is demanded. Open the machine, Madam Clerk. If you favor the request for fiscal note, vote aye. Yeah. If you're opposed, vote nay. That's <clears throat> Has everyone voted? Closed machine, Madam Clerk, by a vote of 44 or 43 
Yay, 69 nays. The request fails. All right, I don't see any further questions. We had a few amendments, a couple of amendments as I have uh, on my notes here. Gentleman from Hines, Mr. Dortch, had an amendment he wishes to offer. And I got the gentleman from Adams with an amendment. Are there any other amendments that I missed out there? All right, we'll take those two then. Gentleman's recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, request the clerk read the amendment. Recognize Madam Clerk to read the amendment. A lot of noise. Please uh, keep your conversations at a minimum. Thank you. You recognize Madam Clerk. Amendment number one by Representative Dorch. Amend on line 36 by inserting after the word whatsoever the language, including amendments that dilute voting rights, civil rights, or the powers or jurisdiction of the federal ju judiciary. Gentlemen's rec recognized. So my amendment is pretty clear. I the presenter of this bill is claiming that it's only dealing with our, the fiscal situation of, of Congress and our federal government. As the gentleman from Lawrence was asking, there's no limitations on this section that says limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. Yet we do have limitation in this that limits the ability for these delegates to consider term limits. The gentleman claims, before he claimed that this was uniform to all of the other states. In the past five minutes, we've been look, able to look at two of the resolutions passed in Alabama and Arkansas where they do not have this limitation, where they expressly say that, that term limits is something that we should consider, that these delegates should consider. So that even this language that's in here, I don't know if there was something, some discussion in the Republican caucus or whatever it took to get buy-in for this. It doesn't even matter because the other states are not using this limitation. Before we took this up, we were voting, voting on a Senate district map that was being looked at because we had federal courts protecting the right of, rights of minorities in Mississippi still in 2019. And those things are still needed today. So if this matter is just about the budget, the federal budget, there shouldn't be any problem with limiting, limiting these delegates from looking at our judiciary. There shouldn't be any type of consideration for that. If, that, if their only concern from the gentleman behind me from DeSoto is our federal budget, what does that have to do with our federal court system? All right, gentlemen, uh, would you uh, like to respond, Mr. Chairman? Mr. Speaker, we would simply say that, you know, we can sit up here all day and dream up all different sorts of horror stories. We can dream up different things to add to the resolution. The resolution speaks for itself. It's talking about fiscal restraint and reigning in the powers and jurisdiction of the federal government and the way they impose those things on the states. We all know what we're talking about. Also, when you start amending this resolution, it doesn't aggregate with the other states and get to the desired 34, which is the gentleman's goal um, with the resolution. I would urge you to vote against the gentleman's amendment. Author may respond. May close. The author is recognized to close. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We've already established that for whatever reason, this resolution does not conform to the other resolutions that have been passed. I don't know if the gentleman from Holmes hasn't read the other resolutions. I don't know if the gentleman from DeSoto hasn't read them. I don't know if they want to present this in a way that they don't care to tell you the truth. But the truth is we put a limitation on here that restricts these delegates from being able to place term limits on our congressmen and congresswomen. 
That is not in the other resolutions. The other resolutions specifically call for term limits. They call for three things. The fiscal part, limit on, our, on the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limits on terms for officers in Congress. Now, if you could put that limitation here, where we're not going to follow that third piece, there's no reason that we cannot carve out and protect our federal courts and the federal courts that protect many of us, especially the black members in this body who would not be here for federal courts. If this is just about the fiscal situation of our state, the gentleman from home said, we know why we're here. We know what this is about. Yes, we do know what this is about. It's about our courts. It's about our courts demanding that we do have districts that represent the people that look like the people all across this state that don't have representation in this body and didn't have it for, for centuries. So please support the amendment. All right, question now occurs on amendment one. If you favor the amendment, indicate by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, no. No. The no's have it. Open the machine, Madam Clerk. Roll call is demanded. If you favor the amendment, vote aye. If you're opposed, vote nay. Has everyone voted? Everyone voted. Close the machine, Madam Clerk. By vote of 45 yeas, 68 nays, the amendment fails. The gentleman from Adams has an amendment. I'm going to recognize him for his amendment. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Ladies and gentlemen of the House, uh, it has become apparently clear that a lot of you feel comfortable trusting the gentleman from DeSoto, uh, a gentleman who has, has dictated to you on numerous occasions that he knows better for your area was better for you than you do. When you've had unanimous resolutions from counties and cities to tell you what it is that they want, he may not have voted against every one of them, but he certainly is willing to tell you in a way that he's trying to restrict the federal government from telling us. Well, I'm going to tell you, as an African-American in this state, I've been happy to be able to have the federal government protection for my entire life. Without it, I wouldn't be here today. Without it, the number that you see here wouldn't be here today. So that federal government protection, that balance, is something that I appreciate, respect, and treasure. And I'm not willing to throw it away for a gentleman like the gentleman from DeSoto, who has shown me he has no respect for what my people, the people who elected me and dictate to me what they want in a local and private bill, he doesn't think, if he doesn't think it's good, it shouldn't happen. I don't want that kind of oversight from anybody going to a convention where Article 5 says there are no restrictions. Article 5 says that. So I'm going to get away from that part of it. But I can tell you the people in this state that I would like to protect, there are people on Social Security, there are people on Medicare. We have, in our population, we have 495,000 people on Medicare, 17% of our population, uh, close to $4 billion federal dollars. Social Security, we have over 200,000 people on Social Security. 85, 132 of them are disabled, and over 85,000 are just aged people who are on Social Security that receive Social Security benefits under SSI. What I want to, what I will, what I'll, what I'll suggest to you is that if, as we go forward, and I'm going to tell you because you've heard it, there are people in this state that are concerned about their retirement, they're concerned about the older people who are in nursing homes, they have their health care, they don't want that limited. And whether it's a state retirement or federal retirement, they don't want anybody messing with it. And so when you start talking about a budget, when you start talking about people who think they know better than you do for your people, then there are no limitations. 
So you look at yourself getting cut off, SSI, because there's a philosophy that thinks we're spending too much money on Social Security. There are people who believe we're spending too much money on Medicare. I won't even get to the fact that we, that, that we get federal match of 71% on Medicaid. Let's just talk about the older people who are on Medicare. So what my amendment would do is, on line 38, by inserting the following language after the word Congress, and are also instructed not to support any amendment that would result in a reduction, delay, or diminishment in our Social Security or Medicare entitlement or benefit. I'm 60 years old. If you want to cut mine off, fine. My granddaddy lived to 104, worked till he was 90. I drink too much to work till I'm 90. But I'm going to enjoy it the whole time I'm getting there. But I can tell you I'm willing to work. But there are people out there who worked all their lives and lived a healthy, glorious, religious life. A person out there who didn't have a doctor, didn't have a place to go. But the federal government has, has provided coverage on a Medicare that says, I'm going to help you stay healthy in your population. I don't want anybody messing with that. I don't want to see that happen. It shouldn't happen. It's the right thing not to happen. And the gentleman from DeSoto may be a fine man for DeSoto County. Fine for DeSoto County. They sent him down here. But they didn't send him down here for Adams County. They didn't send him down here for Humphreys County. They didn't send him down here for Lowndes or Lauderdale or Hines. They sent him down here for DeSoto. So I don't need anybody going to a convention to tell me what's best for my folks. I got to vote. And I represent people who have a vote. They elected a congressman. We just elected two senators. We elected a president. We got Supreme Court justices. We got founding fathers that had a convention in 1787 that went and they, the state said do one thing and they said, nope, I'm going to do it this way. That's what you're unleashing on the country right now. You may want them to say, he may, he's right. That, this, this article, this resolution says this is what we're going to do. They did that in 1787. The state said, now, I'm sending you down here to do a specific thing. That's what you should do. They got there and said, nah, I think I'm going to do this. I don't want to trust that. I don't want to trust it. Now, you may want to trust it in everything, but we've established there's no uniformity in these resolutions. Jim's time has expired on his amendment. I want to recognize the author. Hey, somebody asked to give me two more minutes. You get to close, gentlemen. Thank you. You'll have plenty of time. You'll have a total of ten minutes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I'll recognize the chairman to respond. Mr. Speaker, uh, with all due respect I have for the gentleman from Adams, I would simply say this. He says what's in the resolution doesn't matter. The, the folks at the convention can do what they want to do, but yet he's got an amendment telling them what they can and can't do. I would submit to you to oppose the gentleman's amendment and let's pass the resolution. All right. Recognize the author to close on his amendment. You, he's exactly right. I don't want him touching Social Security, don't want him touching Medicare. And I don't know what they're going to do. But if, we, if the gentleman is right, if we put in our resolution what they can and can't do, he thought well enough of the resolution to put in there that they couldn't touch a congressman's term, no term limits for congressmen, even though Alabama said you must consider term limits for congressmen. I, I just want you to go to the convention. If you're going to go, if you're going to go to the convention, I just want, when you go, don't touch Social Security and don't touch Medicare. That's all I ask. 
Anything else you want to do, I'll figure out a way to deal with it. We'll figure out a way to deal with it. But I don't want some 90-year-old person coming to me saying why they cut off my Social Security. I don't want them coming to say why I don't have Medicare. So I, I'm just suggesting to you that, that those billions of dollars that the state of Mississippi gets without talking about the fact that 60% of our transportation dollars come from the federal government, that ain't part of my amendment. 74% of our Medicaid money comes from the federal government. That's not part of my amendment. And 50% of our education budget comes from the federal government. That's not part of my amendment. But I will suggest to you that if I went to a convention, and I was from North Dakota, and I looked at the kind of money Mississippi was getting, I said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I found my pot right here. I know what we've been spending the money. I know what we can balance this budget. Give me that Mississippi money. Give me that 74% match. Give me that 65% match. Give me that 50% match. I don't want to do that to Medicare and Social Security, but we'll figure it out on the rest of them. So I please support the amendment. Vote yes. Thank you. All right, gentlemen, yields the floor. Question now recurs on Amendment 2. If you favor the amendment, indicate by saying aye. Opposed, no. No. The have it. The no's have it. Roll call is demanded. Sufficient number. Open the machine, Madam Clerk. If you favor the amendment, vote aye. If you oppose the amendment, vote nay. Has everyone voted? Has everyone voted? Close the machine, Madam Clerk, by vote of 45 yeas, 69 nays. Amendment fails. Don't see any further amendments. We will now move to closing arguments. Gentleman from Lee, Mr. Holland, had requested to speak. He'll be recognized. Excuse me, gentleman from Washington, Mr. Hines, what purpose do you seek recognition? Okay, gentleman from Madison. You recognize him? <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Speaker, ladies and gentlemen of the House. When I came here, there, there was a gentleman from Etiwamba by the name of the Honorable Jerry Wilburn, who served about 28 years in this chamber, as best I remember. And some issue came up our first term. Mr. Rogers may remember this. And now we can especially see it since the board is divided by party. And by the way, where are you going to put the independents? I want to know that. Somebody, Nathan, you help me with that. I want to know where I go from here on out. But the board is obvious. He said he knew how General Cluster felt when he saw all them engines. And the vote's going to carry. This is going to carry. <clears throat> and I think there's some well intention behind this. I really do. These people right up here, I don't know. The, I don't know one of them. None of them are from Lee County. I know that. Or if they are, they need to come down and meet me. Uh, but fact of the matter is they're sincere. But I'm a 1955 model myself. And I grew up farming. And my daddy and my mother, that y'all honored so beautifully a couple of weeks ago, were the first farm couple in the state of Mississippi to be named Outstanding Farmers of America. That was a big honor in 1965 for our family. Why did Dad win? Because he knew Jim Eastland and John Stennis and Jamie Whitten 
and we can go on before that. And he followed those people and the fact that the federal government, through the Soil and Water Conservation Commission and the Farmers Home Administration and on and on of the brilliant programs that the federal government founded and funded and brought to beleaguered Mississippi, rural water, TVA, you name it, all the FDR programs. Now, I know the political climate has changed. I'm not much for physical responsibility. My people know that. I love the government. I have always been in love with the government. I've told you all this before. My granddaddy Holland, born in 1890, fought in World War I, three Purple Hearts, and came back and went to Mississippi A&M on the first federal GI Bill, one of 17 children in that impoverished family. But he took advantage of an opportunity. Now, if I'm not mistaken, for every dollar we Mississippians send to Washington, we get right at $3 back. Now, I had the opportunity. I just had a 2.0 infinity when I graduated Mississippi State, and I wasn't smart enough with my GPA to get a job in the corporate world anywhere else. And Daddy knew Mr. Whitten, so he called Mr. Whitten, and Mr. Whitten said, Fly to Washington. I want to put you on my staff. And I had the pleasure of working beside that distinguished great American for three and a half years of my life when Senator Stennis was also chairman of the Appropriations Committee. In the Senate, Mr. Whitten was chairman of the Appropriations Committee in the House. Federal highway money, health care money, money for agriculture, every rural water system in this state came through Jamie Whitten, Jim Eastland, and John Stennis. They're the genesis of it. I like my City Point drinking water. I like it. I love it a lot. Now, you people who want to restrain federal spending, you've already elected. You just had a full Republican Congress. And the national debt quadrupled. Do it through the people you elect. Heck far, you pass this and we may not get the Great Wall. Have y'all thought about that? Because we won't have enough money to build the Great Wall. I think this thing's silly myself. And I'm going to vote no on behalf of the people of District 16. It obviously because the red is on the right. It's enough votes to pass it, and I have a glass at the library at the Fairview Inn with my name on it, and I'm ready to go have that drink, so I won't hold you up any longer. But you're doing the wrong thing by passing this. Jim from Madison, Mr. Blackman. I don't know what the definition of a constitutional scholar is, but I turned on CNN and MSNBC every now and then. And I see people up there proclaiming themselves to be constitutional, scho constitutional scholars. But in my experience, it doesn't take a scholar to understand the Constitution. You just read it, and I believe it says what it means. Now, Article 5 does have, has no restrictions on what you can tell the Constitutional Convention to do. All you can do is 
is call it, with two-thirds of the uh, states voting to call the Constitutional Convention. Now, ironically, uh, listen to all the arguments up here, it is not the states that actually call the Constitutional Convention. It is Congress that actually calls the Constitutional Convention once it's reported that two-thirds of states are requesting it. Now, when Congress calls the Constitutional Convention, there's nothing in the Constitution that says they have to pass on that convention as to what they can and cannot take up and consider. In fact, all of the case law indicates that they cannot do that. And when you look at uh, cases that have come before the, the Supreme Court and where there have been instances where the states have attempted to tell the federal government what it should do, the courts have always sided with the federal government. Now, we here in Mississippi today are seeking to tell the federal government what they can and cannot do, what it can and cannot do, at a constitutional convention. Once you get to a constitutional convention, that's it. And Mississippi, with its small population, with its utter dependence on federal dollars, we get more money back in, in, in federal dollars than we put give to the federal government. We rank near the top. Forty percent of our budget each year is dependent on federal dollars. Why in the world will we be talking about balancing the federal budget? When we know when they balance it, they're going to balance it on us. We're going to be one of the number one at the cut list. Don't you understand that? We're getting more than our share back. We're a bigger burden on the budget than most states. And so when you want to lift that burden, where do you go? Go to the people that's, that's pushing it down. And we're here now, all puffed up and looking good. We're big-time legislators, and we're going to solve the federal uh, budget problem. We here in Mississippi are going to solve that problem. And how many years have they been wrestling with that up in Congress? We're going to say, look, we're going to get this right. Y'all spending too much money. Y'all giving us too much money. And we want y'all to do something about that. We're about to vote on that. I know it's going to be red on the right and blue on the left. We need, it needs to be blue. Red, I got it reversed up there. But we cannot stop a constitutional convention when it starts. We got an example of that. The 13th Amendment. Now, Mississippi's congressman and senators were all against the 13th Amendment. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It's going to kill us down here. It's going to take away our livelihood. Uh, we need slaves for our economy. And thankfully, uh, to President Lincoln, who invited some senators and congressmen over to his house for dinner and convinced them that they needed to vote in favor of the 13th Amendment, and it passed against the votes of our representatives. We were so mad that we decided that we wouldn't ratify it until 2013. I can imagine what's going to happen to Mississippi in a constitutional convention. We may be another hundred years ratifying whatever they do to us there. This is serious business. I know it's never going to go anywhere, not in the form that we are talking about here. It's not going to go anywhere. But why are we doing things that will tell the people who are intelligent enough to, out there to understand what are those folks doing? You're taking money from our schools. You're taking money from health care. You're taking money out of the, out of the mouths for food and for, uh, clothing for children. 
I know we did it, and we, we, we did it once before with Medicaid expansion. Uh, we are now at about $9 billion, gentlemen, from Washington County. And next year, we'll be at $10 billion uh, of losses in income. We don't mind losing money, but this is ridiculous. You can vote for this, this, this resolution. You can put all the amendments you want to in there. The only thing that can be considered is whether or not you've asked for a constitutional convention. You can tell, try to tell Congress you don't want this done and that done, and, and, and it won't go anywhere because the law will not allow us to tell a constitutional convention what it can and cannot, cannot do. How do I know that? Because I read the Constitution. That's all you got to do. Put it up and read it. All you can do is say, I want a constitutional convention, and that's it. And if you get it, then you, go, you send your delegates there, and you hope you can, you can look around and see who can I get the chance to partner with. You know, maybe Louisiana will go with us. Uh, maybe we can get Tennessee. Maybe we can get Alabama. But I can tell you it's going to be a selfish endeavor. Everybody's for themselves. They don't care what happens to us in Mississippi. They say, look, I, I, I wish I could be with you on this one. You know, I can't be with you on this one, but we're still friends. I don't want to unleash Mississippi's fate in the hands of Connecticut and Maine, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, California. Uh, do y'all really want to do that? I don't think so. Cast your vote for sensible legislation. Vote against this legislation. Do not ask the federal government to do its end. Because that's what's going to happen when we get to a convention. Remember the 13th Amendment. And see, you see what happened in Mississippi, thank goodness, <laughs> back then. Vote against the amendment. Uh, Jim from Hines, Mr. Bell has requested to speak. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, I know we're retiring, we're ready to go home and do some other things, as the gentleman from Lee said he had a glass waiting on him at another location. But um, listen, this should be entitled the Amendment to the Convention of Chaos and Confusion. We've all said and heard today, many of our members speak and talk about how much confusion and chaos will be unleashed if we go to this quote-unquote convention. This is a waste of time. This is a waste of taxpayers' time. We are here in Mississippi, as the gentleman from Madison stated. We are last in everything good and first in everything bad. And here we go, adding one more item to that list. This is a dangerous amendment. You have Chief Justice Scalia, God rest his soul, made the statement, I certainly would not want to have a convention. Whoa! Who knows what would come out of it? You have several scholars and professors and constitutional lawyers who have spoken against this. Since 1980, We should not be involved in trying to cut our nose to spite our face. We are dependent on the federal government. 
if we have a problem with electing individuals that don't see our value, we have a right to go to the polls and vote them out. That is the solution to this. There is no way that we should be participating in such foolishness. You know, I asked the gentleman, was he familiar with Matthew 7, 13 and 14, where it talks about false prophets. I was told when you come to the well, you're supposed to tell the truth. And on several occasions, it has been mentioned that he did not tell the truth, that he omitted some items. I asked him, was he familiar with Michael Ferris? Michael Ferris is apparently one of the co-founders of this convention of states. Now, I don't know who these people are. I don't even know why they even thought to have such, such an idea to come up with chaos and confusion. Michael Ferris made a statement that he wanted to see 50 Supreme Court justices, one for each state. How much chaos and confusion would that cause? He wanted to model it after the European Court of Human Rights. I know nothing about the European Court of Human Rights. But I do know that our founding fathers had the audacity to come up with this Constitution. They had the audacity to understand what America should look like past their lives. If we have the opportunity to pass this amendment, we're adding to the chaos and confusion. I urge each and every one of you to vote against chaos and confusion. Jim from Washington, Mr. Hines wishes to speak. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. My desk mate, the gentleman from Adams, talked about Social Security and Medicare and all those programs. But I want to hit y'all at y'all house. Especially y'all got them John Deere tractors and them big Kubotas and all that. See, we get $7.2 billion a year in federal dollars. 7.2. So let's think about this. I can get my crop money, my subsidies. I'm getting my little loans to help me make it through the day. I'm getting all these extra add-ons to help take care of them big old calves I got, them horses that we're growing, them billy goats you're feeding. They even tell me now, raising ducks is profitable in this great state. If we were smart, we'd have been growing marijuana and hemp and all that stuff, so we'd be ahead of the game. So when we did something like this, we wouldn't be worried about the outcome of that $7.2 billion going somewhere. So just in case, I'm talking about the farmers, but let me hit the Gulf Coast right quick. This ain't personal, but I want to let you know something. Y'all remember that storm called Katrina? It was federal dollars that put you back up on your feet. And to show you how confused some folk are who support ideas like this, your congressman voted against FEMA subsidies for other parts of the country. 
And he benefited from the federal dollars. The gentleman from Jackson tried to bump him off, but y'all didn't help him. I want you to think about what's going on. Let's talk about the amount of money the people in the Golden Triangle get for community college where their kids go free. They match the financial aid dollars with local contributions, and those kids go free. Oh, guess what? They're federal dollars. Y'all need to think about this. Now, I got a friend. We get into this huge debate most of the time about what is the, in the best interest. And she tells me, should I cut the arm off and save the body, or should I cut the body up and save the arm? I'm going to tell you what I always say. You cut off the arm, save the body. But y'all cutting the body up to save the arm. Ooh-wee. $7.2 billion. The gentle lady from Jones talks about the elderly who gets those meals on wheels. They finna starve now. We talk about Head Start and the development of young minds. We finna throw them to the streets now. $7.2 billion. Now I don't know about y'all, I, I can't grow nothing. I can't even grow a tomato. I done tried. But y'all who got them row crops that y'all ain't gonna be able to plant for the flooding this year? <laughs> Hello? $7.2 billion. I'm just trying to help you. You gonna cut off the arm and save your body? Or you finna cut your body up to save your arm? You need to start thinking long term. Cause we know not what tomorrow brings. And what situation we gonna be in. On a body, $7.2 billion in federal support. Now, I've been blessed in my life. President George W. Bush appointed me to a National Council on FEMA. I did such a good job, I got reappointed by President Obama. I had two presidential appointments. And the one thing that was a common conversation, it was federal government support would help communities restable themselves after disaster. And little old John Hines was sitting there representing local government. And I found out a lot. Can't none of us make it without the federal government. But the real important thing is, Mississippi sure can't make it without the federal government. Now, when y'all go out there, when we go home next week, and you put them boots on, and you climb up on that big old John Deere that you got a federal loan to get, and you crank it up, while you're out there trying to turn it down, over, I want you to think about $7.2 billion. Because I know Arkansas want it, and they'll do something with it. I know Alabama want it, and they'll do something with it. Because you want to know how I know? They took the stimulus money and did something with it. And he took the affordable health care and did something with it. But we still over here dredging in the mud on them big old John Deere and Kubota tractors. Internationals. And if the government stopped existing, that tractor would be stuck out there in the mud because you couldn't buy gas. You better think about what you're doing now. And this ain't even personal. I ain't got nothing against farmers. 
Y'all don't work. Y'all don't eat. But what I will say, is it going to be the arm or the body? You going to cut off your arm and save your body? Or you going to cut your body off to save your arm? 7.2 billion dollars. Bye bye. All right, I don't see anyone else. I'll recognize the chairman to close. Mr. Speaker, we've heard lots of passionate um, debate, some great speeches. Gentlemen have all made fine points. What this is about is fiscal restraint with our federal government. The gentleman on one hand urges us to elect the right people, and then on the second hand he says our guys don't do what they're supposed to do. Our framers set this system up. This avails us to one part of that system, the system that says the states can aggregate and meet and decide if some sort of fiscal restraint can be imposed on our federal government when elected officials refuse to do it. That's simply what this is. Anybody that leaves here as conventioners for this state will have instructions and they will report back. I would urge you to vote for the resolution. Mr. Speaker, we move that it be adopted. All right, the question now recurs on Senate Concurrent Resolution 596. Open the machine, Madam Clerk. If you favor the resolution, vote aye. If you're opposed, vote nay. Has everyone voted? Has everyone voted? Close machine, Madam Clerk. I vote 69 yeas, 46 nays. The resolution is adopted. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.